As we continue uh, through a few more weeks of Genesis, we come to the story of Isaac and Rebekah and how they met. It is found in a long chapter of Genesis 24 that we're actually not going to read. So I'm going to describe the scene and read pieces of scripture to you as the tale unfolds. And I encourage you, of course, to open your Bible and read alongside the story in whatever way you wish, whatever is helpful for you. Genesis 24. At the time of these events, Abraham is old and the Lord has blessed him abundantly. Sarah has just passed away, and the neighbors have generously offered multiple sites for her burial. Isaac is close to 40 years old and is unmarried. In order for the promise of many descendants to become reality, something needs to change and happen soon. So Abraham has a conversation with a servant who has been in his employ the longest, who was in charge of all the family owned. This was a serious talk where Abraham tells his servant he wants him to go and find a wife for Isaac. He makes the man swear an oath that the wife will not be from Canaan, but she must be from Abraham's family in the city of Nahor, the land of his birth. The servant, who understands this is over 400 miles away, asks What will happen if I find someone and she refuses to come back with me? Now, that's a good question. Abraham says, under no circumstances is Isaac to go back to that place, for the land where they now live is what the Lord has promised to them. Abraham assures the servant that an angel of God will go before him on his quest. But if he finds a suitable match and she is unwilling to come to Canaan, then the servant is released from his vow. But again, he reiterates, do not take Isaac back to my hometown. The servant swears he will do what Abraham wishes, leaving for the city of Nahor with 10 camels and all kinds of wonderful gifts for the bride-to-be and her family. When we stop to think about it, Abraham was asking his longtime steward to accomplish a difficult mission where much could go wrong very quickly. When we hear this story, it might make us think about times where we took on a huge task, where we promised that we would do something and help someone, and we were unsure if we could pull it off, unsure if we would succeed. All of our lives, every day, people ask us to do things at work, for our family, for our friends, for our community of faith, maybe even for a stranger. Sometimes the job being asked is very big for the person requesting, and success is vital to them. And when we promise to help them, then their success partially depends on us. So how do we proceed? How do we tackle the opportunity in a way that we don't make matters worse? The trusted servant has a huge job. He has to go to an unfamiliar unfamiliar place and find a wife from the family of his master, people he does not know. This wife has to be able to give children to the favored son so that what God said might come true. And if that isn't hard enough, he has to make sure the bride is willing to come back and leave her family of origin And she might never see them again. 
So if the servant fails, what happens then? No pressure, right? While he might be released from his oath, who is going to marry Isaac? So what I want us to think about is how the servant proceeds with what it is that he's been asked to do. This chapter is an interesting narrative because God does not speak. There are no miracles or words of prophecy. The main character is no one that we know. But what happens to him is very common to us. Because in his journey, we see mirrored how we daily live our faith with a God who is not visibly active, yet there is evidences of his presence wherever we go. So there are seven intentional ways the servant acts on his assignment. And each one reminds us what we could do when we are given a big task. The first thing we see is that the servant proceeds with prayer. We don't know anything about his actual journey. All of a sudden, he is in Abraham's hometown, and he goes straight to the city well. He makes his camels lay down. It is toward evening when the women come to draw water. In verse 12, here is what he says. And he said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today. And show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Immediately we see that this prayer is respectful both to the Lord and to the man's master. Sometimes we can be disrespectful about our employer when they're out of sight and maybe don't do what they want. But not this one. But what I find most meaningful is actually the prayer itself. He asks for success. But that seems to be secondary to asking the Lord to show his love to Abraham. His success comes from the truth that God loves Abraham. And this is what the servant asks for. This is the bottom line, no matter what happens. He doesn't even begin by praying for a wife for Isaac. He asks for God's love to be shown to his master. I want us to think about this for a minute because it reminds us of what matters to us when we talk to God. Because when we pray for something, aren't we really asking the Lord to show us that he cares? Aren't we really asking him to show us that he loves us, that our requests matter to him, that we matter to him? And the answers that we seek, the one thing that we're really asking for is, Lord, how will you act in ways that show me that you love me? Even if we don't use those words, isn't that what it sounds like when we pray? Please, Father, show us your will. In the name of Jesus, we ask you to bring healing and protection and help. Holy Spirit, comfort your people as they're suffering. The servant understands that as we pray, as God's children, we hope to know more, not just the answer, but who God is and who we are to him. We want to know that in our experiences. So this realization, not the success of the task, is the most important knowledge that we have in this life. No matter the outcome, may God's love be made abundant to us. The second thing that the servant does is he proceeds with a plan. We continue with the rest of 13 and 14. 
I am standing here by the spring of water, and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. Let the girl to whom I shall say, please offer your jar that I may drink. And who shall say to me, drink, and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. One wonders how it is that he hatched this plan. He had kind of a long road trip. He and his entourage might be conspicuous in a place where he doesn't know anyone. So his plan to randomly speak to a woman drawing water is possibly as good as any. I love it that he begins by telling God where he is. I'm here. I'm right here by the well of water as if God might have difficulty finding him. But what I also like about that is that he's showing God that he's being obedient. I'm here. I'm by the well. I'm trying to do this thing that I've been asked to do. So this is my best thought of how it is that I can accomplish his task. His idea is kind of a funny one. But how would you do it? How do you find a needle in a haystack? This reminds me a little bit of how it is that sometimes we talk to God in our heads, although we might not admit it. We bargain with him and we set up a scenario that we might know his will if we see this particular thing happen. When we have a hard time finding out what God wants. But I was thinking, how do we know that God himself didn't plant this idea in the servant's mind? We have brilliant ideas all the time that we know don't come from us that we know oh yeah that is the best way to proceed god cares about isaac's spouse more than anyone god speaks all the time but doesn't always use words he speaks in open doors and in flashes of brilliance and maybe conversations the servant's not alone he's with other people and maybe they said hey here's an idea why don't you go to the city well and see what happens there verse 15 says that before the prayer is finished rebecca is coming out the one whom the servant would speak to the one who would answer his prayer the reality here is that the lord is at work even before the spirit arrives in nahor But it was important for the servant to keep on working out his plan. So we give our plans to the Lord, like the servant does here, and the Lord will honor our heart. The heart of the servant is very much what the Lord wants here. Number three, the servant proceeds with wisdom. Rebecca comes out, and she is the Lord's choice for Isaac, although that is not clear right away. So the servant sticks with his plan. He asks for a drink of water, which she kindly gives him. Ah, she's helpful. Then she offers to draw water for the camels until they have finished drinking. Very promising. Do you know, remember, he has 10 camels. When camels are thirsty, they each can drink 25 gallons of water. So this is a big deal that Rebecca has offered to water his camels. But verse 20 and 21 are what we want to see. 
So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw, and she drew for all his camels. The man gazed at her in silence to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. The man's prayer has been answered quickly. Still unsure if she is sent from the Lord, he does something very smart. He stops and he watches her, waiting to see who she is, if she is the one that God has chosen. I love this because he hits the pause button on his own drama to discern what is actually going on here. So often we rush forward, we get an open door and we think, yes, this is it. This is exactly what we're supposed to be doing. But we don't always pause to make sure this guy has a lot of wisdom. He's Abraham's most trusted, most long servant ever in his life. He's dealt with people a long time. He knows character. He knows what to look for. He's using his experience and his reason. When we're pushing forward with what we're asked to do, this is a key part of our process. We have to stop. We have to reflect. We have to think about what it is that's going on and see if this is God who's providing. And so we can assess what it is that we need to do next. Fourth, the servant proceeds with worship. The camels finish drinking and the man gives Rebecca some gifts as thanks. He asks who she is and if there would be a place in her father's house where he and his traveling companions might spend the night. When she introduces herself, he discovers her family is related to Abraham. Well, look at that. In addition, she tells him they have plenty of room. And at this point, the man knows exactly what's going on and what God has done. Here's what he says. The man bowed his head and worshiped the Lord and said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness toward my master. As for me, the Lord has led me on the way to the house of my master's kin. When we have success in our lives, when something happens that we have specifically hoped for and prayed for, do we stop along the way and offer thanks? This guy stops right in the middle of being out where the city well is, where all of these people are. Often we are steeped in the moment of reveling in our good fortune. Look what happened. Look what great thing. We're ecstatic at how things are going. But it's the Lord who brought the, the change. It's the Lord who brought the good fortune. God is the one who grants us good things, especially when we are dependent on his help. So the servant knows that. The servant knows this isn't about Rebecca. It's not about him. It's about the Lord. And so he's moved to give thanks. The other thing is we don't really know what the servant's religion is. We know that he is honoring Abraham and Abraham's relationship with Yahweh. But in this uh, in this piece, you get that he's expressing thankfulness to the Lord, amazed at who God is and also that he would help him. Yes, he might help Abraham because of his steadfast love for Abraham, but he's overwhelmed with gratitude for how God has helped him personally. That's something all of us can understand, that we stop and we give thanks and worship God because he's helped us. Who are we? Who are we that the Lord would help us? 
He's relieved at the Lord's leading. It's right to stop and give thanks to the Lord for his help. The next thing that the servant does is the servant proceeds with transparency. Rebecca then runs home to tell her family what is occurring. And her brother Laban comes out and invites the entire entourage to stay. And so they get the camel settled and they get the feet washed and they sit down to a meal and the servant speaks. And he says, I will not eat until I tell you this enormous thing that I am that I'm doing. Food is not important to him at the moment. He tells the story, retells the story almost verbatim. That's why the chapter is so long about what has just happened. But he's completely upfront. He's completely transparent. They must have been astounded to hear who this guy really was and how one of their own is an answer to a very important prayer. Listen to what the servant says to Rebecca's family. Now then, if you will deal loyally and truly with my master, tell me. And if not, tell me, so that I may turn either to the right hand or to the left. People who are honest ask the same of others. Sometimes in our lives, in our work, we can be less than honest. We can cut corners. We can sway things for our own gain. But this muddies the waters. It's always better to be truthful, even more so when we're speaking and we're working for someone else. Keeping our lines clear helps us not to get entangled. And it allows other people to trust us, to know who we are. The servant lays himself bare here, asking what their decision will be. How they respond will tell him what he needs to know. Six, the servant proceeds by giving testimony. This is part of his openness But his servant's story is all about the Lord and what the Lord has done. When we tell about our accomplishments, we love to tell stories of what has happened to us in our life, the significant things that happen. It's good that we tell that we're not alone in the process. This is especially true when we are asking others to join us. The servant is asking Rebecca's family to join Abraham's family in a significant way for what it is that the Lord is doing in creating Israel. In this situation, the servant needed the family to know that this is all about God and how God is orchestrating these events. If they do not honor God, he needs to know that now. That's cool. Let me know if I'm to go this way or if we're going to proceed this way. Be open with me. Be honest with me. It's a great way to do it. It would have been strange for the servant to say, well, I'm on this quest for this guy, and he is wanting to know if your daughter would marry his son without mentioning the Lord. We, too, have to tell about how the Lord is working in our lives as we retell our victories and the work that we're doing I know that we have to be careful, especially in the workplace. We can't always talk about God. We can't always say to whom it is that we give praise and honor. But where we can give thanks, where we can tell what's going on and how it is that we're working, we shouldn't hold back. We should be honest with people so they can join us also if the Lord is calling them to work alongside us so they can respond in kind. In this case, 
Laban affirms how he sees that this scenario is from the Lord and how their family will allow Rebekah to go, believing that the Lord has spoken. Number seven, the servant proceeds by seeing his task through to completion. At every step, the servant moves forward with what he's been charged to do. After Rebecca agrees to return right away, they begin their journey back home. The servant doesn't stay in Nahor even 24 hours before hitting the road and going back home. As they get close to Canaan, they see Isaac. And the servant tells him, again, everything that has happened. Isaac takes Rebecca as his wife, and the servant's task is done. So here's an idea I want us to think about in our lives right now. Finish what it is that the Lord has led you to do. Be a person of your word. This man did not get sidetracked on his assignment. He finished well. This might be obvious, but for some of us, maybe even in the season of our life that we're in right now, this is a difficult notion. We might have projects undone or work that just keeps getting put off. We might have made a promise to someone in our lives that we simply aren't getting around to fulfilling. A task might seem too daunting. Maybe we're afraid. Maybe we're too busy. But if there's something that you've been putting off, take courage from the Lord your God who is always with you and finish what has been asked of you. This story was preserved to communicate to God's people how a key marriage happened in Abraham's family. So we know the story. So we know how Israel came to be. But this whole chapter is really centered on a person that you can't even look up in a concordance because we don't know his name. As the story continues, he fades out so Isaac's family can take center stage. But he's given us some key things to think about and to remember for when we agree to bring a big idea to fruition. The truth is, we don't have to be a high-profile person in order to be used by God in a big way. When we undertake a task and we move forward bit by bit, we stop, we pause, we pray, we worship. We go to the place where the Lord has directed and we wait to see how the Lord goes before us and how he's leading us. The servant understood that while this was a quest for Abraham, it was also a journey where the Lord had truths for him to take away. But isn't that true of us? No matter what we do in our daily lives, we're meant to do it in the bigger context of serving the Lord. Not for our own recognition, not for our own gain, but so that God's life in others will thrive. So his story might continue in his way. In the process, we grow. So this morning, I pray that this servant's life has touched yours in a way that he's inspired you to go into your life with renewed confidence that the Lord is the one who leads you and goes before you for his glory. Let's pray.